1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV podcast 443. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, still not alongside Johnny V.
3: No, but at least you decided to show up for work this week, Terry Miller.
2: (laughs) Uh, not for long. I make very little promises on a number of things. One, how my voice is going to feel here. Still trying to keep it rested up Two, the microphone may or may not remain upright and plugged in three, the camera may or may not remain upright and plugged in. So the struggle is currently real here this evening. And, uh, I don't know if you can see, well, just, just beyond me. That's Las Vegas. Yeah. That's the Las Vegas strip. I think I hear it calling my name. Yes, so uh, I'm glad to join you for a little bit, but uh, I've got some other things I got to get done too. I don't and save my voice.
3: Yeah, I was going to say maybe going out in Vegas isn't the best thing for your health and your voice. Oh
2: no, just, no, just no, no, no! It's to find so, it. You know, Vegas has the music and the impersonators and the mm-hmm. shows. I I'm going out looking for tips and oh. tricks from performers. For how I can do my job better this week uh, oh that's I all mean, business a solid you know me. yes a solid
3: solid reason to go out am, on the vegas strip
2: I am all business all the time so, so
3: who so who have you run into inside of a casino so far
2: uh honestly really no one i you okay. know I, I i I got here i don 't even know late sunday night I uh, had some a little bit of struggle with uh, the car rental place, but I got here late Sunday night. And, uh, you know, yesterday I ran out, did a bunch of things, and um, was able to take in a little bit of the Vegas Strip. But for the most part, you know, today I haven't even left. I literally haven't even left my room yet. So I've just been working, doing stuff. And it sounds like more and more people are starting to roll into town today anyway. So I have not been out there yet. No celebrities, it's- nothing special.
3: Well, it doesn't sound like you've fulfilled your contractual obligations to Smashbox TV. Uh
2: we'll we'll uh we'll see. Um I did, I, I did manage to get out and visit with some of our good Arizona friends. I got a big thanks, as always, to my friends over at First Light. Dan and Robin also got the chance to hang out with uh, Joshua and Allison last night. And so, I mean, I've, I've been able to walk around and take in a few things. I actually took this very camera out and was trying to take some photos last night, uh, which is something I wouldn't normally do, but uh, I wanted to try something a little bit different. So, um, yeah, just trying to take in the city uh, as much as I can here. And tomorrow we get done. Of to business. Tomorrow is going to be the press conference that I believe is going to start at 2 o'clock local time. So that will be streaming live. I want to say it's three hours. Uh, so we're going to probably have somewhere like 16 guests or over three times say 18 guests maybe. So tomorrow is the press conference and then of course Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday uh, are going to be four straight days of play on the two courses or two of the three courses depending on which division the players are in.
3: All right. And you're hosting some of the press conference. Is that correct? You'll be there asking uh, questions.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I, I've confirmed okay. I will be one of um, one of the people there. You know, uh, my main role this week is going to be on course reporter, as we've heard before, that in order to do your job well, you should be out there asking questions. Yeah. I, I This is a little bit of a PSA. I'll quickly segue into the press conferences are I mean, they're, of course, for people like me, but they're for anyone in any form of media, disc golf media. So if you're if we're coming to a town of yours or a city of yours or there's a tournament going on or you write or you do video, whatever you do, if you do anything in disc golf media, Mm -hmm. certainly reach out ahead of time. I don't have the exact contact right now, but you're welcome. Like. I feel like a lot of people feel as if like I show up and I'm just dying to ask these questions for 10 straight minutes. And the reality is these are for anyone. And I think that's, I think we can do a better job of even communicating that, which hence made me just think to bring it up that this isn't just for disc golf pro tour, people Mm -hmm. myself and Brian Earhart and Zoe and, and whatnot. These are for anyone. These are for
3: anyone with a reasonable media credential.
2: Of course, you know, I I'm, I'm hoping you're not just some weird like super some geek scary, off the street, yeah, fanboy of of uh of Hannah Bloomrose and you're going to uh show up and ask a bunch of, you know, unhinged questions. Um, but So how engaged are, to, are
3: you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
2: so if you're showing up though and and you do have any form of of Disc golf media tie, uh, I'm I know there's a step or two to take, but in a perfect world, and I, again, I can't reiterate this enough, these are supposed to have four or five or 10 or 15 different reporter types that are there to get questions answered. And this is not a an exercise in journalism for me. So I do want to throw that out there. Keep that in mind. Obviously, it's probably short notice for Vegas here, but for future events, just keep that in mind uh, that that's really the kind of the overarching concept of the press conferences
3: and I give you full permission to crotch kick anybody that just asked the question, how was your off season? Yeah. Um, that's it. You know, if, if it's that generic of a question, correct. I, um, I, I give course. you full permission. I, I have a written thing here from Jeff and Todd. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Uh, I mean, I didn't say it was Jeff's. <laughs> I didn't Jeff say Springer, it was Todd, Todd, Rainwater. Jeff Springer, Todd Rainwater. Just <laughs> Jeff randoms. and Todd. There's two random guys named Jeff and Todd that say if someone asks a dumb question like that at the press conference, you have full rights to go up and either either, you know, just make it known, Terry. Yeah, of course, you know, we're questions.
2: looking for, you know, and 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 to be clear, you know, the directive I've always been given is, you know, this should feel less like a podcast and more like a weekly like catch up session. And so going in line with what you're saying, yeah, it, I'm trying to drill down a little bit more specific. Now, in all fairness, this this is the very first major event here that we're gonna see in this year. So things to open the season might be a tad more generic, but I, I do agree with you, yes, this isn't uh I want
3: off season um, specifics. I just don't want you to open no, it agree. up with like a generic like, oh, you know, hey, it's like that first day of school. What'd you do this summer? you know i don't want yeah. that i, I want I you agree. know we we've seen enough we've heard enough about what's going on with the pros they're all visible all winter long on their social medias we can we can really nail those down so i'm 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 looking forward to it i probably will be listening cuz i am doing some of the switching so i'm going to want to kind of catch some of the storylines so that I know what's going on other than just relying on probably like Mo to tell me what to do, although he does a great job of that. Um, so I'll, I'll probably have that on in the background while I'm at my office job. So,
2: Yeah, so uh, excited for it. And uh, I took a quick look at the list. I don't have it in front of me right now, but, you know, typically the the press conferences follow a pattern of the previous year's champions, MPO, FPO. usually the previous year's champions. Um, uh, runner-ups as well in MPO and FPO, uh, usually some form of a check-in with a disc golf pro tour rep. Uh, last year, for the last couple of years, we've had a Hall of Fame rep in there uh, from uh, every individual stop, and then um, you know sometimes a, uh, a representative of sorts from the actual event, whether it's a tournament director or a volunteer director, course designer, so or something so like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's going on tomorrow. Uh, so looking forward to it, and what also is going on tonight and tomorrow is a massive, massive temperature drop. Uh, it was beautiful, gorgeous in the last uh, couple of days, somewhere in the 70s. Um, absolutely gorgeous, the little bit of time that I was out there, and now some nasty stuff is rolling in, and I'm going to see if I can pull it up on here. But highs last like- I saw that
3: mid fifties with rain and a decent amount of wind. You're talking like some days are going to be wind of the, uh, it it looks like tomorrow is going to be the windiest day, but the other two days will have wind, but rain as well. Rain's going to roll in on Thursday. looks like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there'll be some sort of rain or sleet or whatever that's going to be, depending on the time of the day for a competitor Sunday. It clears up at least, but doesn't really get much warmer.
2: Yeah. I, It is what it is. I'm good with it. it. Doesn't really, obviously. I don't have nearly the challenges that our competitors will. But you're talking about, you know, that's the big thing. Is we're always rolling the dice. We've had 75 and 80 degrees and absolutely gorgeous here, and then three or four years ago we had snow, which is obviously on the extreme end. But usually it is super windy. Players are dealing with cracked fingers, uh, chapped fingers and cracked fingers. Um, blisters and things like that typically happen at this event. Uh, just, just dealing with constant wind, it's so dry here, of course, in the desert area. And um, now that the winds are talking about picking up, I, I think it's going to be every bit of challenge. And then, like you said, adding some precipitation. Who knows for sure which days. But needless to say, we're not kicking off uh, in bright beautiful calm sunny skies that's i guess that's the ultimate takeaway well wisconsin's so supposed that- to get
3: one of the worst winter ice storms that it's seen in 50 years so northern wisconsin um they're looking mm-hmm. at anywhere from 10 to 20 inches of snow uh middle of oh. wisconsin obviously a little less but down where we are towards southern wisconsin a wintry mix with possibly up to a half inch of just ice so you're you're talking about ice storms here in southern Wisconsin that may change a little bit. We're like kind of right on the border, so you're not missing much, Terry. Uh but that's supposed to hit us on I think Thursday.
2: Well, if it is any consolation, here's what it's, I'm going to do for you guys. It's not probably. I I tonight if if I do have to um gather any beverages, I I'll get them with no ice. Thank you. And uh you know, that's kind of my my offering you know, to the Midwest in which I'm missing out on. So I'll go, I'll go without ice.
3: Mm. How nice of you, Terry.
2: I'm, nice. I'm a team player. You that's, are. that's what I can say.
3: So we actually had a All lot, right. we have a lot going on over the last week of disc golf. We let's start with, we'll, we'll get to the Gannon stuff. I promise, but let's just real quick, start with the competitors at the Vegas event. Um, We saw earlier uh, for the All-Star event, Ricky Wysocki pulled out of the All-Star event last minute, kind of had an issue with his wrist, said he was going to rest up and he's hoping to get back by Vegas. He announces yesterday that it's just not going to happen. So he's skipping Vegas. Have you had a chance to to communicate at all with him or, or have you heard anything more about this? Because no Ricky, no Tatar, no Paige Pierce this week. That's three of the biggest names in our sport.
2: Yeah, I think Stat Mando released a tweet saying that this is only the f- the fourth time in recent history that our number one and number two t- players will both not be at a- an Elite Series event or a major. Um, and then they went on to list, I think, 2016 Silver Cup, uh, a, a D-Glow, and maybe a Delaware event. So this will only be the fourth time uh, that th- we're not seeing both the number one and uh, number one FPO and MPO players at an event. Uh, so let, let's back up a little bit. Yes, Ricky dealing with the wrist last week. Uh, you know, we saw Corey step in. We saw, um, uh, you know, all of that unfold. Ricky then down there for the final day. That was all kind of fun uh, and great to have him there. I did send him a message. Uh, it was yesterday morning that he released a message saying, hey, I'm officially pulling out of Vegas I thought at that point he said he was going to be trying to gear up for Memorial, but he said, I'm officially pulling out of Vegas. The risk just isn't where I want it to be. And then I did reach out to him personally, and he confirmed that as of right now, he's not planning on, of course, this weekend or the Memorial next week, which is taking place in, in the Phoenix area where he now lives. And at one point, he was on the registration list. That's, that's why I bring that up. And so uh, it's unfortunate he's not planning on that either. He said as of right now, his plan is to be ready to go for Waco and likely kicking it off uh, down there at Waco. So um, all he can do is take it day by day. Obviously, he's got to think about the longevity of the year. He's got to think about the longevity of his career. All of that makes perfect sense. If you're a Ricky fan, you're disappointed. If you're a fan of just the great battles that he and others can provide – You're, of course, disappointed that he's not there to do that. I'm never one to second guess. I'm never, ever going to second guess when someone says uh, they have an injury and this is how they want to deal with it. So disappointing for certain fans, of course, um, but hopefully he's good to go by Waco. And I think the big, much more significant, overarching question is, if this is Lyme, which it sounds like it's related to, Will we just will Ricky be dealing with a potential lime flare up the rest of his life, the rest yeah. of his playing career? And more more crazy than that, or specifically to add on to that, is what happens when this is World's Week, USDGC week, or any other major, you don't want to miss an Elite Series event. I, you definitely don't want to miss a major.
3: But- I don't and clearly we don't exactly he know how. Bad. His wrist is swollen right now. Let's just make the assumption it is a Lyme flare-up of some sort. um Yes, he's probably gonna be dealing with this for his entire life, unless medical technology c- turns around and has some sort of whatever. But I bet that if this were Worlds, or maybe like a European Open, or or maybe a USDGC, that he tries to play through it. That would be my guess depending on how bad it is. Now, if it's if it's just a little swollen and he doesn't feel like he's going to injure it any further, I bet you he plays through it. I mean, if it's truly not usable, then he, there's nothing he can do about it. And we just have to hope that Ricky can, like we said, get better for Waco, because this will probably be something he's dealing with for his entire life. I mean, and, and we can only, like I said, we can only hope that things get better for him Um, as, as things goes on, as things go on, because I know he's very serious about his health, about his fitness and his nutrition. And he's done a lot to help, I think, uh, suppress a lot of the stuff that, you know, could happen. But we saw this with, you know, Johnny McRae a couple of years back where he ran into the same thing. He just, he had to pull out of events and then, you know, it's, it's going to be a a lifetime of maintenance. I feel at this
2: point. Yeah. I mean, and and the crazy thing is, like, Ricky is, I feel like, one of the most conscious and, um, you know, serious when it comes to maintaining his body and his health and fitness. Um, Not that others aren't, clearly, but, I mean, Ricky is way up on the top of that list as well as taking it so very seriously. And to think that he could be sidelined any given weekend or week or month with a Lyme flare up is, is obviously very disheartening. And uh, all he can do is, you know, hope to find ways to reduce that inflammation and deal with it. So of course we wish him the best. Like I said, I exchanged a few texts. There's nothing secret in there that he just said, um, you know, he's, he's hoping to be back for Waco. So um, we wish him the best in, in that regard. So, um, and then no Kristen Tatar, not really as surprising you know, to come over here to, uh, you know, play in what conditions could be a flip of a coin and to extend it, to have the All-Star break or the All-Star weekend and then Vegas and then maybe or maybe not play the Memorial and then go down to Texas. Like, I can understand, you know, and, and I, I think you're finding a similar mentality out of, uh, honestly, quite a few players, but Paige Pierce is another one of those. There's just a lot of people that feel like, coming out to Vegas to then kind of backtrack to Texas is something that's not worth it to them playing the four days, you know, for the, for the last five, six, seven years, they've played three courses, they've trimmed it back down to two and that's to the elation of everyone. However, some people just say, Hey, I can, I can, I'm good with skipping that flip of a coin Mm -hmm. and Some of them look really smart this week, and it may (laughs) pan out that way because um, I think the conditions are going to be less than ideal.
3: Yeah, they're going to be kicked back on their couch watching DGN and laughing at these players in their raincoats and trying to stay warm with their umbrellas blowing all over the course. Um, I, I guarantee you Chris Dickerson right now is not regretting his decision. Probably neither is Paige Pierce. I saw an Instagram post of hers where she had... Uh, it actually kind of scared me the way she she was wielding a, <laughs> like a, a, a mallet it's or a like hammer. A
2: mallet, like a sledgehammer type. L- like yeah. a mini
3: sledge uh, onto a, a bathroom floor as she was doing some remodeling. And, all I kept, and she was wearing... Safety goggles and whatnot. But all I kept thinking is, like, yeah, like, I, I get it. You can't, you can't baby yourself. And that's something that I would be doing as well, you know, if I were in her position. But you just think, like, ugh, just takes one, one, one slip of that, uh, that mallet and there goes a toe or, you know, a, a wrist is hurt because she's, you know, cr- cracking uh, tile on the floor. But you're right. I think that this event, it has been a 50 50 flip with weather and a lot of players. Specifically, our top players, because they can afford to kind of skip an event or two or three these days, not only in player of the year standings, which we'll again talk about that a little bit later with the PDGA, but the Elite Series drops X amount of events every year. So you, you only take the certain amount. So this is just one that a lot of people right now feel they can kind of step away from. And it's very similar to what we see along the, uh, the West Coast swing at times too. the OTB up to Portland. Now it's going to be a little different this year because we've got Elite Series plus, so those are those points are going to be amplified, and it's going to be a little bit more difficult to miss those, which I think is kind of part of the point as to why they made that one in Elite Series Plus, but I, I think it's a little unfortunate that everybody gets all amped up for this first event of the year, and you don't have the full complement of players. like it's just you kind of want, and I understand I don't blame anyone for skipping, but as a fan. You want everyone to be there. You want to see every single one of the top 30 players competing this weekend. And while we still have, you know, uh, pretty much all but two of the top men playing, which is just Ricky now and and Dickerson, and we have two of the top three women not playing, It's, I mean, this is a wide open event. It's going to be fun to watch.
2: Yeah, and uh, I just looked it up. It is from Las Vegas to Waco, assuming you're, I'm going to say, assuming you're in a car, not an RV, which obviously moves much slower, straight shot, Vegas to Waco, 18 hours and 59 minutes. We'll call it 19 hours. 19 hours. And so I I think a lot of players, depending on where they're coming from, don't want to drive all the way out to here. And then turn around, and then ultimately have a nineteen nineteen hours. That's now granted they have two weeks to do it, but that's one of their longer, you know, in between hauls for the year. And uh, and Zach Melton, Macy Valadez, they flew out here. Tons of competitors are just simply flying out here, and then you know we'll we'll get their bearings and then show up in Waco. And it helps I that Vegas I has like the, the
3: cheapest flights because they want anyone out there anyway. So usually sure. the flights to Vegas are the cheapest you're going to see all season. And this kind of being, I mean, I wouldn't say it's an off season for Vegas. I don't even know if they really have an off season, but this is.
2: Well, no. Yeah. I mean, they they have races and some other things going on. I mean, obviously they've got Mm -hmm. unlimited conferences and whatnot. Stuff can get busy and or can get very pricey. Excuse me, depending on what you're doing here. But nonetheless, uh, I think that 19 hours that I think that is like. If if weather and multiple courses is is you know, point A uh, or point one, then, you know, the 19 hours to Waco is like 1A or whatever they want to say. Fair or not, I think that has a lot to do with it. So, Um, And just waiting two weeks because you're kind of getting bang for your buck, right? You're, You're skipping this event. You're not playing for four days, and then you're not playing all the way until like March 9th or 10th. Like that's a long time from now to actually get started instead. So right, have enough hounding enough
3: on that. No, I as to say, you have to wonder if um, this is going to alter the future of the pro tour, the actual tour schedule. Are, you know, will Vegas be pushed back a week or two? Are we going to see, you know, some shifts? Will the will the ter- will the, the season start in like a Texas or a Florida? And, you know, I mean, technically the season already started in Florida. It just happened in yeah. November. But you, you get my point. So, yes, we can we can stop har- stop harping on this particular um, subject right now and maybe move on to uh, let's real quickly talk about PDGA. Um, they they today announced new criteria for player of the year. They, they've been tweaking it almost every year for the last three to four years. Um, this last season there was a big uproar over and we've already, we discussed this in a previous episode. You can go back over who won the FPL Player of the Year, and that w- that it was Paige Pierce and not Kristen Tatar because Tatar missed some events. Well, this year, the PDGA has now changed the criteria for Player of the Year, and what it looks like is it's a much top heavier um, weighting for majors and elite series. So your majors, your winner gets a hundred points. And then I believe it drops down for second place to sixty five, whereas of last year it was a hundred and then eighty points. Um for that's for majors. For elite series, it go uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it goes like a hundred and then eighty or eighty five or something no, it before. Goes, it goes 60, sixty,
2: forty, thirty, and now 60, it goes sixty, forty five, forty. Sixty, forty five. Well, it used so. to go sixty, forty five, forty, and now it goes sixty, forty, thirty. Okay. So and the the
3: big thing about this i mean, I think that's that's obviously a a big portion of it, but also they are now only including ten elite series events in their uh formula, which I don't think they dropped any last year. You're still counting every okay. major, but they're only counting ten elite series, so you can only rack up so someone like you know if you if you want to dig into the conspiracy theories here the p d g a looked at what happened last year with Kristen Tatar missing some time and her being penalized for that and looked at it and said, nah, eh, that's not a good idea. Or if you really want to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, Terry, this is a good one right here. Terry, are you ready? You're sitting down? The PDGA, yep. the PDGA changed it this year because Paul Macbeth is going to Europe. So, so clearly, he still has a, he still has a chance to win Player of the Year by only playing ten events because he's missing that two months in Europe. So that is why the PDGA changed it. I mean, if you want to go down the the, the real deep conspiracy rabbit hole, that's where it is. Um, clearly, that's we're, we're joking. That's not why. But I do think the PDGA realized that these players, like this week, are choosing to miss events. And they shouldn't be penalized for the long season if you choose to miss a few or take a few breaks, whether that be for injury or just personal rest.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Now here's here's the interesting thing, and I'm somebody way smarter like Statmando or somebody should run this. Would how much would our results from last year change? Paul would have still won this year's, and and Paige definitely would have still won, or no? I'm not
3: 100% sure. I didn't see the FPO set. I did see someone reran the numbers for uh, the top two players, which were Ricky and Paul. And I think they had a pretty big lead. So Paul would have still won. I don't know about Paige and Tatar because, because... obviously with, with the majors, Tatar missed one. Payton exactly. Two. two. She missed European Open and USW DGC. So Paige did not. I don't know what the difference would be there if it would have made a difference. I didn't see that part, but I did see for MPO Paul would have still won that particular event. So. Whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the real argument was made uh, on behalf of the Paige and Kristen conversation. So to me, that's the much more important number that needs to be rerun. But in just quick glance, because I, I don't do the maths, but in quick glance, again, it, it nothing would have changed for Paige because she won those two majors. That was such a huge factor. Now, where she finished in the other events um, on the Elite Series... Uh, I mean, those points look negligible, almost. Because she's as you, well. If you're, so, if you're taking ten, you're dropping three
3: or four events from last year, and probably the worst three or four that she racked up. Where Kristen Tatar maybe was or wasn't there, or she probably was there. Well,
2: when, she probably the, the won play. them, but yeah. I'm, I'm just. But my point is, yeah, it it doesn't feel like it. Again, this is just quickly looking at it. It doesn't feel like. There's a huge, there was a huge shift or difference. So, um, Pilcher saying Tatar would have won.
3: I don't know. She would have. Yeah. The point change isn't too much of a difference, but he's saying Kristen might've probably would have won that. And he says would have won. So I'm going to assume he's done the math on our chat board. Uh, Pilcher's a smart guy and friend of the show. I mean, as smart as he can be, he hangs out with us. So Yeah, I was going to
2: say, how smart is he if he is a friend of the show and hangs out with <laughs> That's us? That's a good point. Uh, so,
3: But anyway, I, I think this is a good change. Um, I like that they're not dropping any majors. I don't think you should. If this PGA Player of the Year, you want to reward the players for the biggest events. Um, the Elite Series, I have no problem with them dropping what will end up being four or five if you count the Pro Tour Championship, which I don't know if that one counts. Towards this, I'm yeah. not sure if the pro tour championship counts towards this or if it's just an elite. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so either, because there's fourteen. There's fourteen elite series this year, and then fifteen if you count the uh, championship, I believe. So,
2: and then I just you can feel also like that's a qualifying event. Like, not everyone has a chance to even get mm-hmm. points at it. I don't. Yeah. Yeah,
3: anyway, but uh, um, then again, so again. Uh, USDGC, ex- exactly. Um, uh, and then they're still including, I uh, believe, up to ten a tiers that you can rack up. Ten or twenty? I think ten. Or certain it's ten A tiers at the same point value as last year. So if you if you really want some of those tiebreaker points, go rack up ten A tier
2: wins. Sure. Okay. Well, fast forward uh, what ten months, and we'll be arguing about who should or shouldn't be Player of the Year, and. Everybody will be arguing about the points and how they were tabulated, and when did this change get made, and why didn't the right change get made for the right reasons? I just, I kind of feel like no matter what, there's going to be an argument about how it was either unjustly awarded or not enough people knew, or like I
3: said, wait till Ricky sweeps the events. Paul's gone, and still loses Player of the Year somehow because the ones that Paul's there for, he he sweeps. And then people are going to be screaming and yelling up and down a storm that, you know, how come you only include these? The other ones should count. I I guarantee you, Terry, you're right. At some point, we're going to run into some controversy.
2: Yeah. Uh, And then backing up even before that, which uh, technically I think debuted, uh, was that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in that neighborhood? New PDGA logo. Yes. New New branding. branding entirely for the PDGA. Yeah, I think the thing that surprised me most about it was
3: it was was all done in-house. Like, I would have thought that the, I mean, the way they made it sound, according to some of the things I saw, was that even the logo was designed in-house, which I, I, I was, I would have, I would be shocked, not shocked, I'd be surprised if that were the case that the the logo is internal to the company it's someone inside our sport has that type of skill because it's a nice logo. I like it. I think it's better than what we saw, than what we had before with the, the, the kind of dated outline of the male player putting into the basket, right? Previous to the PDGA. I think we're, we're past that where, you know, we're a, 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 a multi-gender sport. And I, yep. I think, I think that uh, this new, PDGA logo is nice. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's got the PDGA, the D and the G are together. There's a nice little arc through it that kind of represents, you know, depending on what you want to call it. I looked at it and saw a disc right away. But if you read into the PDGA's thing, they're talking about New Horizons or the Earth's, you know, uh, profile, however however you want to, you know, try to convince me of what it is. But
2: Uh, yeah, uh, and I really just, I don't appreciate them, um, you know, Cramming down the whole round Earth theory, either though. No, Terry.
3: <laughs> Terry, the, it could be the flat Earth tipped up on its side.
2: Are we all agreeing that the flat Earth is still a circle? Uh, a flat. I don't, circle? I don't. I don't know enough about the flat Earth. Mentality. I'm going to have to look into it. Because
3: if it's a flat earth and it's still a circle, you can tip it up and it still makes that profile. But if it's like a flat earth and it's a rectangle or a square, I don't know, Terry. Uh, Terry, I want you to do a deep dive tonight through YouTube and find out what shape the flat earth (laughs)
2: is. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah, I'll I'll take a look into that. So other than them cramming that stupid round sphere-like ball earth theory down our throat with that whole horizon thing other than that um yeah I think it looks great um uh, you know obviously it's just it's so much more modern as you, and then it's got a lot of the advantages to it like you said it doesn't necessarily represent a male or a female uh, in there it uh you know it has stuck with the pretty much the same color scheme um i i I do like it i'm I'm just gonna say that outward I do like it. I do worry that it's a it's almost a little too modern in in the sense that it 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 feels like almost any organization that happened to be PDGA like if they if they went out to a graphics program could have come up with it as well. So you're you know, saying I, I, I don't know you you're
3: a little worried that it's not disc golf specific enough that there's not a true defining thing that says Disc golf, there's no, I mean, again, there's no, bat. we'll just say, there's no basket, there's no chain, there's no, I mean, you could argue that that curve profile is a disc, but it doesn't, if you're not a PDGA member, that doesn't jump out at you, it doesn't scream, this is a sport, PDGA could be, I'm not going to come up with a clever acronym at this point, but it could be any organization with those, I, I can understand that, you do see a little bit of the profile of the disc on the P and the A on the outside
0: Uh, But that's only
2: again, you're right. That's only if you know, or you're thinking of a Frisbee like object. And I guess what I would say is, if I went to a graphic designer tomorrow and said, I need these four letters, I feel like they could have produced that. And they and and you didn't tell them it was Frisbee related. I feel like they could have still produced that maybe that's what I'm saying. Um, Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's almost not specific enough. It doesn't scream disc golf enough to me. And I, and I, and I'm the first guy to say, I'm sick of seeing chains and baskets in every single logo that everyone ever comes up with. So I understand that it just doesn't scream disc golf enough to me. Can I sell
3: um, you on a yin yang?
2: <laughs> yes. That, that, okay. that you, you know, keep that Frisbee, like, you know, sphere mm-hmm. or circle, and then just some yin yang. Then that I'm on board. Gotcha. I gotcha. No, you, Anyway, I do like it. Let me be very clear. Not that any, not that my opinion matters to anyone else, but, uh, but I, I do like it. I, I just don't know if I love it yet. Um, and that's not to say that I, I'm so in love with the old one. I, I'm, I'm definitely, I thought it was cool that it came out of nowhere. Like, because as we all know, if this was in any way up for a debate or a vote or a contest, there would there would be no consensus whatsoever it would just be madness so i do love that it just kind of appeared out of nowhere i thought that was some great initiative i know they'd been working on it for a while i know that logo and branding is you know at at this level with 250,000 people and you know 50,000 of them being active or 100,000 whatever the number is i understand that this is all very serious and this is probably a, a long-term brand and logo that we could have for 10 or 20 or 30 next of the next years. So I'm not downplaying any of that. Um, I, and I do like it. Um, yeah, I, I, I almost love the fact that it came out of nowhere more than anything though.
3: So a quick correction. Ryan Pilcher says he redid the math. H Pierce would have still won. So that's what I would have thought. I would have thought so too with the majors, but anyway, Going back to the logo. Um.
2: So anyway, it's here. It's out. Uh, the one very – one of the – this is so petty um, or minor, I should say. Uh, I had a bunch of tabs open today as I was releasing footage for the Samui Swine MP40. Good plug. Um, but I had a bunch of tabs open, and at one point I looked at a tab, and I had the scores up for the swine. But the tab didn't look familiar, and it's because they had the new, what, Fave icon or whatever, or Fave or whatever they're called up in the tab and it's a, it's a sphere, it's a world and it's got PDGA through it, and it's very difficult to read, at least on my browser. But just even getting used to that uh, Which is, was something that was a little weird for me. Cause like right now I have, you know, a YouTube tab and a Facebook tab and a Udisk tab up, look at, and they're all very obvious. Um, PDGA little tiny icon, uh, just looks different. So do you want to see something tear? I'm looking at my... Uh, I just no. opened up a
3: tab on my screen here. Or I, I just opened a tab that I had since last week. We can... Oh,
0: see.
3: Yep. Shift F5, Yep. And it, there we go. Shift F5, everything updates. What did you
0: do? Is that a little
2: cache update or something?
3: Yeah, if you ever hold down... If you ever update a page and you hold down Shift, it forces your browser to clear out any history for that particular page and pull in a new one. So just to make sure that you're not getting anything... Previous. If you hold down Shift and refresh a page, you're going to
2: make sure to get the most current version of the page. Sounds like some shifty uh, advice yeah. that I'm going to need in the future. But you anyway, so um, yeah, so that's exactly what I mean. Just even seeing that little tiny icon, which is a little less defined, distinct. right? Is, yeah, I it's a look little. One
3: hundred percent. It's a little less distinct. It's like busy. from from what I'm seeing, it it's it looks like a globe. Like, and again, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's hard to see it's a globe and it's so small with just a little black lettering to the center. You wouldn't pick anything out. the old PDGA logo with, with the, the, the gentleman throwing the disc that was much more distinct in my tab than this. And now maybe I'll get used to it, but you will, it's, we it's will. not, the problem is it's not much different. Like I've got it right next open next to a Facebook tab, which is a circle with a different mm-hmm. blue color right next to um, discord, which is a different circle with a different blue color and restream which is a darker circle with an R in it. I, I liked that the PDGAs, yeah, I don't love their favicon. I'm not going to lie. I like the logo. Yeah. Don't love the favicon. <gasps> don't love the favicon.
2: So, I mean, again, but, this is also going to be a matter of us getting used to things. I'm not you getting I used to anything. Seen, Screw this. You and I have seen that PDGA logo for essentially the 30 years we've been members. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 20 twenty seven twenty six twenty seven years we've been members so and then uh immediately only because I know him personally as well uh, I love to throw out the trivia question as to who was the pdga logo if <laughs> to wonder was was there any uh i don't know any other special mention or plaque made of uh, of uh for him, but if anyone remembers who it was player out of Michigan. Not someone you really you or I played with, Johnny, uh, but you've definitely spoken to him and know who he is. Um, but he's a player out of Michigan that uh, is is the PDGA number in the I want to say the thirty five hundreds. And it's not, and I think maybe the funniest part of that trivia question is, unless you like, unless you basically know or you're from Michigan, you you wouldn't guess the person. I think that has always kind of been interesting because I feel like that's kind of like my logo. Everybody assumes that the Disc Golf Guy logo is me, and it's not. And unless you already know the person or you're from Wisconsin, you have no idea who my logo is. But it's not me, similar to the PDGA logo. Uh, Jeff, no, it's not you. (laughs) Anyway. You, you you ready, Johnny? You don't know the name, do you? Right? Let's Google
3: it. I don't know the name. I I, I literally just Googled yeah. it to to look. Yeah, so. Ken,
2: Ken, Ken Gill. Gill. Yeah, Ken Gill out of Michigan. So anyway, all right. So uh, congrats to them, to the PDGA, to all of us. I guess, like I said, you and I are PDGA members of of twenty five plus years already, and um, I I'm good with it. So uh, let's move on to. Uh, the industry conference, real quick. I know, I know that's, that's kind of was part of the industry conference that jumped out for me. I'm going to give a quick high-level overview of it that uh, I, I had arrived on Wednesday mid-morning. Uh, big shout-out to Eric, who gave me a ride, actually. I just posted in the Arizona group saying, hey, I'm actually flying into Phoenix. I know it's an hour-and-a-half drive. Is anybody going down that direction? And uh, a couple people reached out, and ultimately I made a new friend in Eric, Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, he gave me a ride. Our our conversation was a little limited, again, due to the early goings of my voice. And um, beautiful resort, absolutely, you know, just this amazing, uh, just that resort for us to be at for the disc golf pro tour all star weekend. The disc golf pro tour staff had been there for a few days prior, which the staff I think is eclipsed forty five full-time or part-time staff members. And that doesn't include you or me or dozens of other contracted people. Cameramen, things like that. uh, Some of the cameramen, some are full-time with the Pro Tour, some are contracted. It's just insane. And so I know there's a lot of training, a lot of getting to know people, a lot of new people that were also there as part of that. And then, of course, media prepping for Not only the season, but also for our players and some training and all that that was taking place. So Wednesday, there was an opening uh, dinner and uh, a speech by Steve Dodge. Uh, Wednesday night, I pretty much crashed immediately. Uh, Thursday, we were there was uh, a breakfast that was provided, and then there were a couple of breakout sessions or, that people could go to, uh, ranging from uh, IP, uh, intellectual property concerns and conversations, to course design, which was a very popular one, uh, disc golf sales and regional, and also disc golf sales and marketing in terms of national levels. Uh, there was a media panel in which I was asked to be part of, along with Jonathan Gomez and Charlie Eisenhood. so they had all these different sessions uh, that were taking place in both the morning and the afternoon and then in the afternoon on late afternoon on Thursday, right around when I had to leave, there was a scramble in which people could sign up play in the scramble and then uh, that evening, I think everyone was on their own and then on fr- uh, Friday, there was a Paul Macbeth foundation fundraiser breakfast, and then maybe another session or two along with a speech or two. I think Andrew Zimmern gave uh, Zimmerin gave the keynote to kind of close things out on Friday. And then obviously it rolled right into the All-Star weekend, which was Friday afternoon, Saturday, and Sunday. So uh, Thursday, essentially right when my session was done with the media perspective, uh, I basically flew out of Tucson to then head up to Bend where I was in Bend uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, of course, before coming here to Vegas. So it's been crazy trying to keep up, quite honestly, with everything that's going on, but some pretty damn cool stuff taking place. And, and having the first ever Disc Golf Industry Conference was awesome to see. And I think even more so, I'm excited to hear kind of the, the official response to it that the Disc Golf Pro Tour hopefully collected, and I want to know what what really was learned in terms of what people liked or disliked. And none of this is really my business other than, you know, I had an experience and I'm curious to know what others, uh, you know, what the Pro Tour will look to learn from it and then presumably improve upon and how they'll develop it and make it bigger and stronger in years to come. Um, but it was... It was definitely very cool to be at. Well, and Ray brings
3: up a question that I have the exact same question I was going to bring up is for your particular area in the media uh, conference portion of it with you and Jonathan and Charlie Eisenhood, one, how many people would you say attended your, your conference, your session? And what exactly did you talk about? Like what were the questions are being asked about you? Because as we know, you have a unique spot with being in live and post Charlie commentator and media, but doesn't really do, you know, I guess what type of media he doesn't do post-production. He does news, informational media for the most part. And then Jonathan Gomez, who has built the biggest, you know, post-production machine uh, that disc golf has ever known. So what what type of information was asked of you at these type of events at this type of conference?
2: Yeah, yeah, um I received essentially an outline a day before I was supposed to talk. And uh, it was pretty straightforward and simple of what was being requested of us. Jeff Spring was kind of our, our coordinator for the media panel uh, over the, we'll say, over the three of us. Um, and uh, essentially, we had all had the same outline, which was give us a, a brief history of your involvement in disc golf and disc golf media Talk a little bit about the how you weathered the pandemic and what that means, and then what's in the future and i and I haven't even said this to Jeff yet uh, I, I was meaning to send an email I would redo it if I could uh, and I say that because I definitely would have given a little less specifics to my my background, and there's just a lot of other points I would have touched on, obviously, I talked about me getting into disc golf as 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 like our origins, and then like you said i i I very quickly, (laughs) I had 15 minutes. Um, I very quickly could run through the idea of, Hey, I, you know, I helped with disc golf planet TV. You and I uh, helped with disc golf planet TV. We then eventually uh, started doing, well, obviously I started doing vlogs and started doing post-production type work. And then a few years later started live with you and then started a podcast. And then you know, now we're just uh, a piece of the Disc Golf Network, and so that's kind of what I ran through. And I didn't really get to—I didn't really get to go expand much on that. I mean, that hmm. took up quite a bit of time just to even kind of recap that that story and that history. Uh, one of the things I made very clear that I just outwardly said is, you know, a lot of people think that I'm all live and no post or that I'm all about live and think live's going to replace posts. And I obviously couldn't disagree with that more that of course I think live is going to continue to get better. I think it's going to bridge the gap, continue to bridge the gap between how the quality of live and post. But I also think that post is always going to have its place for a lot of different reasons. And I've never wavered on that. And I, I, I really get frustrated when people think I, I somehow think live is the only solution because clearly as I put out post production minutes before we started tonight, I, I don't so, believe that. I believe both live and post are going to coexist. So was that just in, they're going to look different?
3: Was, was that the main crux of your guys' session? Was just like the three yeah. of you and your and like how you the three of you got into disc golf and the history? Because to me, and granted, I know most of the stories, but those stories aren't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to say like revelatory. Like I, I, if I'm going to that convention, I want to know. Maybe what the future lies, but also, how, how do I get into this? Is that the type of? I guess it depends on the clientele that are there for what they're there for. Why do they sign yeah. up? Do they want to know your history, Charlie's history, Jonathan's history? These are all things that have been put out in the different media things for the last ten years. We all know, most of us who are in the industry know how everyone kind of got started. I, I would, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily. Well, and I mean, granted, I
2: wasn't there. I, I, I just. It just doesn't feel worth it. Um, Yeah, I I do feel like there is some value, and I I totally can understand where you're coming from, and I don't entirely disagree. There is some value in, I think, talking a little bit about our origin, talking about the idea that obviously someone like me filming countless events literally for years making negative dollars uh, for many years because Tournament directors didn't even dare think to pay us, nor did we really necessarily think to ask for money, and then to see to see tournaments now like your tournament almost doesn't matter if there's not coverage, right, of some capacity, and um, so I think that it is there is something to be learned from those origin stories, and um, you know the fact that live has come from where it has. Uh, in the fact that we didn't start live and that Disc Golf Planet, you know, I, I, I was very blunt. You know, we, we saw the money Disc Golf Planet was spending and we needed to spend to put on a show on any given weekend. And it was mind numbing. And the fact that you and I were able to, albeit not perfectly by any means, but we're basically be able to quickly, we're able to build a better mousetrap, so to speak, and to do it for a fraction of the budget. Along with a lot of stupid mistakes, but do it on a fraction of the budget. Um, I, I do think there's something to be learned there and a little bit of a story to be told there. Oh, yeah, without just thinking we need a pat on the back, uh, because clearly that's not what it was about. But uh, there are things that I wish I, I would have elaborated a little bit more on. Again, 15 minutes is also a very short, short time, time frame when you're talking about this, and no surprise, uh, you know, I told my story, I, I had to go first. Jonathan told his story and, and what he's looking forward to. And then Charlie came in with, um, believe it or not, a more polished, slightly different perspective. And, and one of the biggest takeaways from when Charlie was speaking, he was talking about how the need for independent journalism yeah. and he wasn't taking a shot at us, but he was definitely referencing people like us who were already disc golfers were already friends with the disc golfers We have really friendly, kind of soft podcasts, usually. And there's no hard-hitting journalism, or there's very little of it. And I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. I couldn't disagree. like, I totally agree with him. And so when someone like a Charlie, who wasn't a big inside disc golfer, comes in as Alta World and sees the need and then seizes it, sees it, and then seizes the opportunity, I, I love it. Which, I think it's great, which is funny. So and I think we're
3: going down a rabbit hole a little bit here, but I feel now that Charlie's in a different position. Charlie's an insider now. He's working with the Disc Golf Pro Tour. He has relationships with manufacturers that he needs to make sure to keep on the up and up if he wants to continue <clears> to get these things. Like he yeah, has fallen I mean, into. You're calling
2: him a sellout? Yeah, I mean you're saying I, sellout. I, I,
3: Slightly? Sure. Yeah, I would say right to Charlie. Charlie and I are buddies. I kind of talk to him all the time. Like, slightly he has to be. He he knows it. We've talked about it. Because, you know, you can't you know, you can try to be um, down the middle as much as you can be, but you know, I, I know for a fact there are companies that won't talk to Charlie now. That really just kind of refuse to take his mm-hmm. calls because he is posted bad things about them and that hurts his that will hurt him in the future possibly when he doesn't get a scoop or he doesn't get anything ahead so it's a very funny and, and different type of perspective now that he did come in from the outside and now he is kind of an insider he knows you know he's the one that you know we'll talk about the story that he that alter world kind of broke in a few moments here about gannon burr but it's it's really interesting to uh to see some of these things uh i, I yeah.
2: Yeah, Did one you, of the things that I love too is of course Charlie writes, you know, and I it's funny because I said in my, you know, story I'm like blogging with a b blogging was a big deal in 2010. Everybody was attempting it and God bless them. And I remember saying to you and others like I'm not going to blog. I don't write. I'm not a writer. I'll I'll get in front of my little $99 camera and I'll just talk for a few minutes. We'll see how this goes. Well, he said he was into blogging, and he is a writer, and he does have a background in, in the stuff that he talks about. So, um, you know, he just – and even Jonathan came from – cut from a very different cloth. Jonathan had worked in a newsroom and, and worked, uh, you know, with cameras and camera equipment and technology of that kind, none of which I had done. And so it's it was still – you know, so – There was some value in in that sense of those origin stories, um, which will lead to another point in a moment. But there was some value, I think, for that reason as well, that now, you know, I think one of the main points that I left with when I finished was clearly anybody can find a niche. They can find whether within disc golf, but even within disc golf media, whether you're reviewing products, whether you're. Uh, recapping things, whether you're doing your own podcast, that's local or regional or national, uh, whether you are ultimately becoming an announcer or have some kind of voice on some kind of production live or post. Like, as I said in my, in my talk mm-hmm. in, in, in 99, while we were in college, there was, if you wanted to work for a manufacturer, there was like three really Innova or Discraft, maybe DGA and you probably were getting an entry level job maybe packing boxes like they they didn't have huge marketing a, a budgets a media, they, didn't they didn't have, have a marketing media. or a media department there was no social and media now, and now you don't have to go work just for a manufacturer is the point you could start your own you could do a million things on your own and um to me i think that was all part of the evolution of the media and where we're at and i thought it was really interesting so um it it was it was a really cool. I, I again, I appreciate the the privilege and the thought to even be there in any capacity. Uh, I loved seeing the conference itself happen, and I'm excited to see what the pro tour, Todd, Jeff, everyone on staff, Zach, who Zach and Christine who largely organized it. I'm excited to see what everybody says uh, in, in terms of the response about and and if it was valuable. I mean, people were there looking for jobs. People were there to learn more about something maybe they're already doing. It was really interesting to see the the clientele of people that were there. And some people were just there to network. Maybe they didn't necessarily need a job, but they were to network with other people to share or show off their skills mm-hmm. or let people know of their of their, you know, of their products or skills. It was um it was everything in that sense that it should have been, and I'm looking forward to how it's going to grow and expand. And, and if that's the right time of year, Is it always make sense to do it right before All-Star Weekend? Uh, is that always the best location? You know, all those types of things. So uh, Maybe someday I'll, I'll have a more in-depth uh, conversation uh, when I'm feeling better. Maybe we'll, I'll break it down in a, in a uh, whatever those things are, drop zone. But
3: You can write a blog about yeah. it.
2: I'll, I'll i'll write a video blog about it to recap it but uh, long a, and short of it it was great
3: there's a funny inside joke the other day i was looking i was going through old versions of uh fantasy dg and skip bass on the Wayback machine and i oh, found yeah. i found one from skip Ace from like 2005 or six or something <laughs> and, or maybe it was a little after that basically it had said that uh skip bass and the, again another inside joke uh the central location for all things disc golf on the Internet, which I, I got a chuckle out of because it's something that Terry and I always make fun of. Back in the early aughts, so to speak, every website wanted to be the central location for all things disc golf that you would go to on the web because everybody thought that they were going to have the one website that had reviews and news and all this stuff. And then obviously we've just spidered out from there. And no, there is no well, central site, which I, I, so well, and, I was and, going back and
2: I laughed at that. Even funnier, there was, in fact, a website called All Things Disc Golf mm-hmm. at one point, allthingsdiscgolf.com. So, uh, yeah, thinking you're going to be able to be the, the only central hub for all disc mm-hmm. golf news is obviously crazy. And then I, I think back to 2014 or 15, somewhere in that neighborhood, and, and somebody really pounding on me that uh, Reddit. Was the only significant place to ever find disc golf information and news, and albeit Reddit can be useful, I still to this day find it not useful. <laughs> um, um, but I, I, yeah, a, it, there's yeah. no there's no central spot. No, I'm a
3: redditor, and I I understand that like disc golf Reddit is a great location for a few things. One, the memes. Holy moly, Terry. This week was phenomenal. It, it 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 rivaled some of the better weeks for some of the memes that were out there. But also, the the nice thing is that Reddit is user g- content generated. So if there is something that breaks somewhere else, it's brought in there. So I do feel it is a good central location for information. Not all the information is good because it is user created. So you do have a lot of speculation
2: and things like that. But... I mean, the 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 one thing I'll say about that is, like you said, I can agree with everything you just said. I also have gone out there, and I occasionally will lurk around, and I'll see some of the threads, and it's just truly some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, and and, I mean, and like the rest of the internet, it, it is it is not it is not uh, uh, any different. But like the rest of the internet, people that. Think they know what they're talking about. That claim they know what they're talking about can very much act like they know what they're talking about, and couldn't be any more just absolutely dead nuts wrong. Uh, but but you know post with such conviction, and then I think okay, well no, I mean until this stuff gets vetted, no this 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 is no more uh, useful than I think any other place where you're going to look for disc golf information in that sense. So.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: All right. Well, let's, let's jump on it. As I just posted in the chat minutes yeah. ago, if you're here looking for, well, I'll speak for myself. If you're here looking for any wild or crazy over the top, super spicy sponsored by the halal guys, this is not a paid ad, uh, super spicy take on the Gannon Burr scenario. I don't, I don't think I have one. I don't have if you can talk
3: me into one. I don't have a, I don't think there are, I mean, there's a lot of spicy takes out there. There's a lot of people right now. Um, And as, as, as I've said, right with any dispute between two parties, especially when you have an organization or a company versus a person, most people are going to take the person side because company equals evil. Always. That's just. Sure. I mean, that's that's almost built into our DNA. You know, we, it's a David and Goliath. You know, everybody's rooting for the little guy, whether the little guy's right or wrong. I, I've done a fair amount of research and looking oh, into geez. things.
2: Did you train your virology degree? I'm a lawyer now. To, a lawyer uh, now. To a political science degree, and now and now and now you're a lawyer. Okay. I'm a lawyer and a judge.
3: I, I don't think you yes. do that. So. Because I do, I have a judge in my bag, which makes me a judge. Clearly. Clearly. No, um, from everything that I've read, Mm -hmm. the perspective that I have is, I mean, for those of you that don't know, if you're living under a rock, Prodigy is currently suing Gannon Burr for breach of contract, basically. He He announced back, you know, two weeks ago or so that he was leaving prodigy and going, we're assuming to another disc company and all rumors point to disc mania. That's been the rumor since back in November. Um, that's, that was the assumption, blah, blah, blah. And more or less Gannon's reasoning for breaking his contract. He had five different reasons out there. Um, As to why it was, from what I can tell, based on reading the contract, and granted there are some parts that are out there that are redacted, such as his compensation and things like that, which they don't want currently public. I feel like Gannon is legally in the wrong here. Based on the five things that he posted, the five reasons why he's leaving. It just didn't look like any of those were in the contract. So for him to break the contract based on those five things, I don't know if he has much. It And again, I've I've looked at a few things. I've looked at other people on Reddit who are lawyers, uh, people on the internet who are lawyers who kind of went over it and was like, hey, yes, you got this and this and this. That's the way it feels, is that based on that. Now, again, there are things that could be redacted that we don't know. There are... If you go to a court of law, there are things that probably maybe don't necessarily matter. The things his mom did co-sign the contract. So it doesn't matter that he's a minor when he signed it, when he was like 16 or 17 or whatever he was when he signed it. Um, I, I'm not taking sides on this. I don't think there is a side for us to take necessarily. I, I think that Gannon had talked to some people at, at Prodigy and was asked and probably I don't want to say promised some things that maybe didn't come through to him, but there's that versus what's in the actual contract. And you know, if unfortunately it all boils down to what's on paper, I believe in in this scenario. So I don't know what's none, none of us know what's going to happen yet. Gannon is continuing to throw prodigy discs. He's continuing to have prodigy on his, uh, he'll continue to have it on his shirts. He'll continue to make his, his obligated two social posts a week. And according to his contract, he also has to man the prodigy booth at times for it's, you know, it's if you I'm assuming you didn't read his contract. Um, I did. One, one of the stipulations is he has to be available at the prodigy, uh, like a prodigy tent or something. Uh, it's there's a there's a small subclause in there about that. So that's the, the gist of what I have seen And I I don't know. Again, I'm not saying Gannon's right. I'm not saying Prodigy's right. I can understand why. The real, I guess, the real question is: is is Prodigy making the right decision by suing Gannon Burr for breach of contract? Like ultimately, that's that's the big that's the big question that everyone's asking. What are you going to get out of a 17 year old kid for breach of contract? Because Prodigy is saying that they are going to lose 1.5. Could not going to could lose one point five million dollars if Gannon Burr leaves and goes to a different manufacturer or sponsor, and I don't know where they get those numbers. I mean, those might be best case. That might be a best case scenario. Hey, guess what? Gannon wins two majors and five elite series this year. That's a, I, I, that wouldn't shock me if yeah, he did one point one yeah. in sales. If that happens, you know, honestly, would you? That wouldn't shock me at all. You know, so whatever, however, that number comes out. I also feel that number, the 1.5 is probably a number big enough where they know that someone can't just can buy that number. down, can't just buy yeah. that number out. That if again, if if it's disc mania that they can't just throw, they're, they're not going to throw 1.5 million at Gannon just to get him out of a contract. A couple, maybe 100,000, couple hundred thousand. I could see something like that happening. We've seen it in the past. I don't know. Is it is prodigy hurting themselves more in the public perception by suing Gannon? Are they going to lose more sales based on public perception than they would get by just letting this kid go is, is prodigy sick of players leaving? Like we saw Chris Dickerson leave out of his contract a year early. We saw Paige Pierce get out of her contract a year early. Couple of years ago, Cat. Uh, I think her contract was expired when she left. I don't think there was any uh, fighting there. I think it was just time for her. Um, and now Ganon Burr. Like, do we want? We've talked about this at some point. A company to step up and say, "Here is your obligation. You signed this contract. Fulfill it, whether you like it or not." I, I mean, we all know knew it was coming at some point. Prodigy just pulled the pin.
2: Yeah, I, the real, and as unpopular as this is, I almost don't even want to say it. I, I do toss right out the window the suing a kid line. Um, you're suing a kid. Gannon was 16 or 17. His mother obviously co signed so that it would be a legally binding contract, just like if Gannon uh, had a bunch of his friends over to his house. And they all started partying and drinking, whether the mom was even there or not, or the parent, the legal guardian is responsible for what he's done. And in this case, she not only was it implied, but she signed on a dotted line saying, hey, I'm aware of what's going on here and what he's locking himself into. Could you have a bigger argument if the kid was eight and the, a parent was coercing them or or You know, putting undue pressure on them to do something? Yeah, maybe. Gannon is an intelligent 16 or 17 year old at the time, 16 probably, maybe 17, whatever. So I I understand he's a minor. But then again, if he were being, if he did something egregious, you know, or heinous in the court of law, he'd also be considered probably an adult. So I feel like it's a little bit of a knee jerk reaction. And a little bit hyperbolic to be like, but he's a kid. He's not a kid. He's not a kid. Kid, is mm-hmm. he a seventeen-year-old? He's a minor, sixteen-year-old. But... That yeah, that hasn't lived. You know, the hardest of his days in his life, of course. But we're not talking about a four-year-old. We're not no. talking about a a seven-year-old. All right, he's a capable, competent sixteen and seventeen-year-old. So I, I do. And again, I know that's going to be unpopular with some people. And I'm not just saying like, okay, well, yeah, you know, d- done and shut. But they clearly had his mom sign for a reason mm-hmm. so that there would be somebody. And we all did stupid things and or – had you know that that was the big thing if you're old enough like you and i johnny that right that was the big deal you'd signed up for bmg music or columbia music club <laughs> and you could CDs sign up for and a get penny. The 12 cds yeah get the 12 cds and when they wanted you to pay monthly you could tell them to f off because you know you're only 13 years old and you lied to them like let's be real about what we're talking about here so um so i i just i do want to say that now obviously there's a conversation about what can hold up in georgia about a, a minor an adult and signings and things of that nature i know that's been a conversation i am not a lawyer i'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer i will um yeah, you can you can do that for us but uh i i i, I do want to say that that he is he is he is a minor but he's also not you know mm. an idiot four-year-old or a misled four-year-old or a coerced mm. you know i think of child actors i think of I you know what parents signed them into right yeah this clearly wasn't one of those scenarios
3: and i don't think that okay. from from their perspective they're trying to leverage that at all from gannon's side I I'm, think not that's, saying, no, I'm not saying no 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 i think not no i'm just saying that's, that's just the, the that's the public looking and the public reaction
2: you're okay. suing a kid yeah but this kid this kid kid is about to, first of all, it towers over most people, you know, (laughs) second of all, this kid at the age of 17 is, is, is about to be making six figures plus, right? So you can't, you can't, Go to one you know you can't go to the well for that excuse, but then he gets to take all these other advantages of what most adult likes mm-hmm. uh people would have as well that's my main point uh so I, I i to me that's worth putting out there now clearly I'm not of the mind of well you signed a contract, and there's i mean if if there were breaches mm-hmm. by either party. Those all need to be addressed. Yep, one hundred percent. And I know, I know, our board and a lot of people are saying, "Hey, just cut them loose. Who cares?" Again, there is a there is this notion of if every time somebody gets just just displeased and you no longer like the company you play for, I don't think you should be able to just say, "Well, I'm out." You know, I. I don't like this anymore, so I'm out. I don't care if I have a contract. And then everybody thinks, well, yeah, don't make them play for somebody they don't want to play for. I mean, no, you don't want that to happen. But I don't think that can be the end-all cop-out either. So I, as we're learning, if there truly was a breach by either Prodigy and or Gannon, I think all of that needs to get looked at and addressed. Obviously, that's what a judge will do. Is it a lot of undue, not undue, is it a lot of stress and pressure and scrutiny and, you know, one way or another, either praise or otherwise for canon? Yeah. And it's obviously the same for Prodigy, like you're saying. They they had to know, the,
3: like they had to know the public perception when they filed this lawsuit. Like they understood the ramifications of them doing this. Um, They're not dumb. They know that it's going to look bad for them, but they also understand what it is. Um, what it means. So I, I, I don't, you know, don't think that Prodigy did this willy nilly by any means. They knew the ramifications of what they were doing and how it was going to look,
2: and they still did it. So that says something about how valuable Gannon Burr is to them. It does. And and, and as somebody kind of just, you know, mentioned on the board, and this is something I said yesterday to somebody else privately. If Gannon doesn't have the year he has last year, is he is he as frustrated? Is he sought after? Is somebody else offering to throw money at him? Mm-hmm. And and does Gannon, you know, does does the grass look greener on the other side? And is this an issue? Because obviously, the other answer for a lot of people understandably has said hey you didn't like it you didn't like where things are things weren't perfect they rectified it they didn't whatever finish out your year finish out your contract there's going to be money waiting for you a year later and i think that's obviously that is a very the, valid thing for people to say as well that's there's I a 91 that's, that's one way there's a
3: deal. 95 to 99% chance that's that would be the case if gannon finished out his contract money is waiting there's there is a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow but sure you and also don't know you also don't know what's well, going to happen this year. He could twist don't. a and knee. He he could th- an injury could happen. He could there could be another player. There could be another 17-year-old phenom that shows up on the on the scene and the money that was looking like it was going to be yours suddenly let so let's just say he's working with a company and says, "Yeah, I'll go with you. I just have to get out of this contract, blah blah blah." Suddenly next year that money's not there because they look at somebody else and go, "Oh, we reallocated that to this person. Sorry. Now we can give you this or maybe they don't give him anything. He has to go to somewhere else. I I, I there is a contract for Ganon Burst somewhere. Someone will pick him up. But I can understand and and I think it's true. He 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 saw the dollar signs. That's that and and whether or not his relationship with Prodigy was good or their communication or whatever he wanted, whether he was frustrated, I don't know. I can't say that for Either way, maybe he wasn't happy with whatever his dealings with his sponsor was, and so whatever, but I truly do think that he he sees a chance to probably maybe ten times his current salary, and that's pretty significant um to, to to step in and um try to make something happen. Like I, I can't blame them. I want everyone to look out for themselves, but it, it's it's tough. Like it, it's tough. I, I, can understand Prodigy's perspective. I can understand Gannon's perspective on both sides. It's it's very it's very difficult.
2: Yeah, and that's that. I guess that is really a a great summation for me as to I, have got no super hot take. I, I feel like they have to get it sorted out as to whether or not a breach. Of the contract in fact, happened, and then uh, the judge figures it out from there that that 's my ultimate take because mm-hmm. we do have contracts, and uh, it, it may feel icky that, so to speak that he it 's come to this stage and that it 's come to this, but it also does speak volumes about where we are as a sport and prodigy or otherwise. Mm-hmm that some people are going to take some of this stuff a little bit more seriously and just in general, like mm-hmm. our contracts, our players, what it means to them. And I mean, we're talking about real money here.
3: Yeah, we, we really are. And one of the, one of the arguments I really dislike, and I see a lot of people out there posting is that, you know, if they, if they thought he was worth this much money, then why didn't they just give it to him? Like if, if he's, cause they did offer to, I think four times his salary, if he renegotiated a longer term agreement. I think that was in that was in the uh the filings. But I think he had to sign a longer term agreement in order to get that 4x salary. So whatever he was making whether it was 30 or 50 or 80,000, I don't know. But I look at it this way. Like yes, it it was is Gannon probably worth way more than what he was being going to be paid this year, 100%. But what about the previous five years he's been on prodigy or how many ever years he's been with prodigy. Um, was he overpaid those years based on potential? You know, that's, that's that's what a company is doing. They they are, you know, they're giving you a, a base, whether or not, and you might not sell a single disc. You know, I guarantee you there are players out there on manufacturers that are getting paid more than the money that they're making for that company based on potential. And so, if if you look at it and say, for two to three or four years, someone was getting paid more than what they were worth, and suddenly they're worth now they're worth more than they're getting paid.
2: I mean, th- that's I mean, it's tough. the ultimate. That's the whole it's point of so right, of a contract and of yeah. of a calculated gamble or risk that every sponsorship entails. I mean, yeah. look at. Who was that? Just a couple weeks ago, talking to Holland Hanley, she she agreed to a one year deal with Discraft, and um, she didn't want to get into a multi year deal because she's thinking that she's going to have a, a banger of a year. And she wants to have more leverage and negotiating power to come for the following year as opposed to somebody else that signs for two or three years. I mean, all of this is part of the give and take and the little dance that both manufacturers and players are dealing with year in and year out. I mean, we can say a lot of what ifs for Gannon in terms of. What if he has a what if he wins world and has a doubly uh, as good year as he did this year mm-hmm. or this previous year? What if he doesn't win a single event this upcoming year? All of those are all those what ifs that there's just no way of knowing one way or another, but I think there was likely a significant offer that was dwarfed what he previously was being offered. I feel like he he appears like he was unsatisfied. So the point of, view you know, of a breach of contract from what he had. And now he's saying, yeah, I, I, I'm ready to, to sign off and get out of here. We'll see how it shakes out.
3: I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm interested just from a, uh, a, a 10,000 foot view to see how this plays out in, if it ever even makes it to a court, if they settle out of court, um, I, I, I think odds are it probably won't make it to a court.
0: I think they'll probably find I a way to it. settle privately. Um, (laughs) this
3: just, yeah, this just enforces, I think what what I said to Holland or what we said to Holland that I think at this point, every single contract, multi-year contract, we're going to see buyout options. in now Gannon's didn't have it for sure. And, and and I think from this point forward, you are going, it, it almost, it's almost a requirement now. Because or a renegotiation or however that's phrased, you know, if, if, you know, like again, if Simon's 10 year agreement now with MVP at, at a million a year in three years looks really bad, maybe they've got a buyout option. I would hope so. Or if Simon suddenly is worth 10 times and somebody wants to pay Simon 5 million a year for the next 10 years, you know, that's. I, I would hope there's a buyout option there. Now, I, those 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 may be uh, pie in the sky type things, but five years ago, if you told,
2: if five years already what? Wait, uh, what? I have on good authority, yeah, that someone who has, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say two, at least two people who have moved sponsorships in the last couple of years mm-hmm. have both had buyout clauses within their contract that the new sponsor then absorbed. Mm-hmm. And so just as you're saying, they're, they're there. Sure. Will they be, they'll probably become more common, more yeah, ironclad that's, that's what and I'm more saying. laid out, but they're, they're already no, I, there. I,
3: I, I was and saying that makes perfect pi- sense. More pie in the sky that like Simon's going to be worth 5 million in three years. But then again, I said, if you'd have asked us five years ago, how much is any player worth for an individual year? there's no way I would have answered a million dollars a year for any player. And now we see three. So, and you know, that's just the way it works. So again, 10,000 foot view from a media perspective and an interest perspective. I am curious to see how this goes. Like I said, probably settled out of court. Probably nothing will, everything will be NDA similar to Ricky's discussion with Innova this past year, where we know that something happened out of court, uh, but it all went away and everybody's quiet about it. And I believe Ricky even has said publicly that he can't say anything about it. So yeah, that's, I think that's where we're going to end up with this as well. I'm just curious how long it's going to take because until then you have arguably an unhappy player throwing a company's discs that they don't want, probably want to throw.
2: Yeah. But I mean, let's at the end of the day though, Gannon as a competitor, well, he's still going to compete. Difficult, yeah. That's what yeah. I'm going to say. As a competitor, he still wants to win, oh, and he, yeah. he may not. He may not love an obligation that he has to fulfill, but he's here in Vegas, not mm-hmm. legally in the casinos, but he's here <laughs> in Vegas, um, and he wants to win. So mm-hmm. you may love or hate, you know, the tools in which you're using. But if those tools propel you to victory, or those tools are just that a tool to go on and win, that's what he's going to have to really focus in on and dial in on for the time being until this gets sorted out in whatever capacity that it's going to get sorted out in. So, yeah, that's, I'm curious. That's what I.
3: Th- yeah. I'm interested to see how this affects Gannon, too, if it, if it affects him on the course like he was you know, he said something about being a five disc challenge this weekend because that's what he had available, because I don't believe he thought he was going to be throwing. uh, Prodigy discs, so this is what he has, I think he
2: literally said, I'm going to be throwing five discs this weekend, and that's you would hope you would hope that. I'm sure, and I wouldn't just hope. Yeah, he could get his hands on some stuff, or somebody from his household Mm -hmm. could, uh, you know, pack up a a set of frisbees and send them to him if they had to. So he still
3: has really good friends on Prodigy with Isaac and Alden that I'm sure have spares that you know Gannon will happily throw in the water
2: for them. (laughs) Um, So so we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, I don't, other than maybe some philosophical perspectives. Clearly, as we said, we're not lawyers and or the judge in this scenario. And it will just be interesting to see what comes of it. Yes, I think the overall, fair or not, the overarching, uh, you know, perspective, though, is that the, the court of public opinion, as they say, is that prodigy is the one that, is not coming out smelling like roses, even even if they're found hundred percent in the right. Let us just say this: it goes to uh, either it goes to the judge, and everything goes down when it's all said and done. Whether it's in two days or two weeks or two months, and prodigy is one million percent found in the right, in the right here. Clearly, that's not going to matter for what ninety five percent of the people that mm-hmm. are aware of the situation. It just, it won't matter. And, the, right? and I guess, again,
3: Prodigy has to know this. They have to have seen this coming. The possible good thing is that we're a microscope. We're a magnifying glass. The people that are talking about this are the people that are in crazy into this sport. You know, a majority, probably 95% of the people that that throw Prodigy discs don't care about the pro game. Maybe have no sure. idea this is going on. So the fact that, you know, people are saying that this is going to drive them out of business and whatnot, I, I I don't buy that for a minute. I think that, you know, most people don't pay attention to what's going on, like the people who are in our chat, the people who are going to listen to this, the, most of the people on Reddit. Like, I, I have a there. I, I just have this theory because just today I've been doing a ton of promotion for Skip Ace over the last two weeks, newsletters. Podcasts, posts on Reddit, posts on Twitter. Just today, someone was like, hey, I'm looking to get into a skip base league. And someone was like, is there a place for fantasy? And he's a Reddit user. And I think, what what have you been missing? Like clearly there are people that just don't pay the full attention to things like to, to a lot of things. So I do believe that the people that really, really care about this are the most focused. And I don't believe that is a majority of your customers. So we'll see. Uh, fake PDGA shout out how come you weren't mentioned in the uh in the uh the court proceedings but PDGA Rodman was I'm just saying yeah you're, you're, yeah, you're no kidding you're slacking there, fake PDGA but thanks for the five dollar super chat um pair characters holding his belly laughing out loud pair character holding his belly laughing out loud all right
2: yeah. Well, we'll uh, yeah have to see how <laughs> have to see how that all shakes up. Yeah, the fact that there was a meme that was referenced and within like, the like what the official yeah the official court filing yeah and and like,
3: like seven diff seven or eight different Reddit comments and commenters were 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 brought <sighs> up like basically saying that this is you know because of Gannon doing this this is what our public perception is it's hurting our company i I just and I'm if not, you're digging
2: that deep like th- that I feel like is a little bit of a is yeah. is uh a red flag right there, if that's at, like could you imagine a lawsuit that referenced i don't know um, a ticket master is getting sued, and somebody's like, but see like. Little Johnny 4777 said he posted on Twitter he's never going to buy another ticket or go to the next Justin Bieber concert like look it, he's really hurt like that that to me felt uh, i think desperate is a good word now th- maybe the script is flipped slightly if the PDGA has some huge piece about it or or Alterworld has some some really, um, I don't even want to call it a damning post or a damning uh, article. Like maybe in some really very very revered uh, context, something gets said, and you're like, "Hey, I, I'm going to point to this. This is like almost slanderous or or libelous. Or is libelous the word? Or is li, you know libel like?" Then maybe I could see pointing to something, but you are seriously referencing uh, <laughs> an Instagram PDGA post, PDJ Rodman. PJ Rodman. Like, <laughs> like, again, shout out to PDJ Rodman. Clearly, some of the but hottest memes in the game, apparently. Of course, and, and like we can laugh and chuckle, but the fact that you're using that as evidence that to me felt that just reeked of desperation. Um. Yeah, uh, that that one, that one was a bit much for me. Anyway, all right. Uh, so I think we beat that to death. Uh, I hope, I hope the best for all parties involved. Whatever that's going to look like. Uh, clearly, we're going to learn something. Uh, you and I are involved in any controversy, nor are we getting sued. So I think that makes yeah. You know, if, yeah. <laughs> a few, a little more
3: of this, Terry, and we can get involved. <laughs>
2: I suppose, I suppose. I'll have to make sure to not have a uh, a uh, drop zone here in Vegas after a wild night talking about it so that I don't also get subpoenaed or something. But, um, yeah, I guess all we can do is wait and see. Uh, you know, Gannon, I'm sure, feels under certain obligations, like you just said, if he's going to continue to essentially adhere to the contract that he feels like he's withdrawn from. Um That's clearly going to weigh on him in some regard, or even just the conversation. Like, let's be real. How much just us in this 30 minutes can beat this to death. Now think about every conversation Gannon's having right now online or in person. Like it's gotta be exhausting Mm -hmm. by now. Like no matter where he stands, no matter how pleased or displeased he is, it's gotta be exhausting. And, and even if he's not talking about it, he knows everybody else is talking about it. And therefore, people are looking at him differently. And that's all part of being an athlete and being somewhat of a public figure. And I get all of that. And he's a 17-year-old. He's not a fragile three-year-old, in a, you know, in a, I don't know, whatever. But, yeah, this, this all has something that's going to wear on him to some degree uh, one way or another. So uh, I wish the best for him. Let's just hope he can get to the course. Wipe it from his
3: head, focus on the rain and the wind and play golf. So, all right, um, Terry, real quick, we're going to talk about what used to be the tour preseason opener, the 45th annual wintertime open. Um, We're not really seeing that too much anymore. We've got a, a, I would say, a more shallow MPO field that we've seen in somewhat in the past, but still some extremely top competitors and winning. This particular event in the MPO field, Mr. Masters player, Kale LaVisca. Congratulations, Kale. You took home the wintertime open in open. Um, I know he's going to be diving into Masters here and again this season when it when it fits him because he's age qualified now. Um, <laughs> following him up in second place is Paul Tallpaul Omen, um, they they were touring buddies and you know tight friends, so to see them go one-two is is pretty fun. Uh third place was Trevor Crow, tied a huge tie for fourth, uh Jason Lawson, Parker Wyke, Cupcake, Jacob Curtis, uh Chris Pinnegar, and Jaden Chazeri. And then we'll let's just round out the top ten real quick. Luke Sampson, uh Danny i sorry, Beauchamp, uh ta- <laughs> um Danny Beauchamp. Tenth place: Alan Wagner and Casey White. So those those are your top ten at the Wintertime Open in MPO. FPO had a very small field, but taking it down was J.K. So talk about someone who's not even qualified for Masters, but maybe a little bit past that. So J.K. wins in Open, shooting a one-over par, besting Violet Main by nine strokes. Uh, J.K. shot a 957. Nine thirty six and a nine forty eight, so she kind of averaged right about her rating to take this one down. And in God, Terry, we're so old. Winning an MP MP forty was Bobby Music. The he's a kid, right? He's still a kid at Day Law. That's what I think of when I think of Bobby Music. But no, he's playing. Uh, he's playing at uh, in the MP forty, besting out Chris Shotwell and Patrick Brown. So,
2: ugh. Yeah, We're you so mean old. a kid at La Mirada. Or, no, yes, yeah, sorry, uh, La
3: Mirada, not Dela. La Mirada.
2: Again, I just, I, I didn't want anyone to get mad out there. Uh, no, no, and coincidentally, no. I believe last weekend.
3: Yeah, he lived across the was, street from La for, for Yeah. For,
2: so <laughs> uh, the weekend before, I believe it was Bobby Music uh, for the Masters at Goat Hill edging out Kale in Kale's first Masters event. And it was Bobby that edged out Kale. Kale was scared. Of Bobby, clearly. So Kale ran to open and won that so that Bobby could keep his streak going in at, uh, at that. So Bobby, I think, has got back-to-back Masters wins. Kale has a Masters second place, but now an MPO first place here in the early going. So congratulations to them. Uh, Lake Havasu is chiming in on the board. Sometimes people yell at us when we don't give out results and you ran a C-tier in uh, the middle of nowhere. But um, it looks like uh, the Havasu crew is saying, "How about the sixth annual Lake Havasu?" It looks like they did have some solid players: uh, Kevin Jones in first, Yuli in second, Graham Russell uh, in third, and Connor Rock. Uh, I got what Graham took four different spots. What are you doing there? Either way, Lake Havasu. I uh, hope you guys had a good event over there as well. So. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then, as I just mentioned, if you want more Masters coverage, I just released MP40, the final half of the Samui Swine action. I do still have some Chiang Mai action to, uh, at some point, edit together as well. But the MP40 action from the Samui Swine is officially released half hour before we did this, broad, or this podcast. Uh, I got that released as well. And speaking of some MP40s, Steve Rico, who had just reached out to me here during the show a few minutes ago, I believe it was him and Mike Jewell that were running the uh, the winter time this last weekend. So congrats to them on uh, yet another successful event. And they said they're already looking forward to next year. So we'll see how that goes. And real quick,
3: real quick, in some PDGA news, um, there were some updated PDGA policies and procedures that maybe is of interest to some people Um, one of which is the CBD product use policy at PDGA events Um, basically saying that if it's if it complies with all federal state and local laws then competitors who live in or are traveling through the jurisdictions other than where they receive the CBD product are solely responsible for knowing and following all the laws of possession consumption and transport of CBD products but I believe they will be legal so there's that and then at PDG events, and then there's some, uh, an also an update to the PDGA sponsorship and advertising policy. This one is relatively long, so if you're interested in it, please go out and look at it. It's under the PDGA documents, under tour documents. Um, this this particular policy it says is intended to guide the PDGA and its events in pursuing advertising sponsorship and related partnerships. So I mm. I, I wonder if those two policies <laughs> go hand in hand because there has been sure. There's been a history of the PDG not necessarily wanting to have sponsorships in the CBD department um, or hemp-related products. And I wonder if they kind of thing. Um, there's still some exclusions between hard liquor, weapons, tobacco, gambling, um, social causes, religious interests. Um, and then it says CDB products as per the CBD product uses policy as the PDGA and any and all. So go ahead and go ahead and look at that. I think the, I'll just say, I think the tides are slowly pushing.
2: Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a number, you know, I, I don't have a million, exa- you know, the hundreds of examples, but we've certainly seen uh, a lot of this shift taking place. Uh, as you said, the tides are changing and it, I think having a fluent yet updated policy uh, as to where the line does or doesn't get drawn. And I'm sure everyone will still argue about exactly where that line in the sand is, but they should have some policy at least that discusses where there is a line and where we're at. Uh, I think will continue to shift and evolve along with the, you know, probably the overall sentiment of the country and our, all of us constituents that, you know, play and participate. So yeah, um, that, that makes perfect sense. Um I you know I somebody asked a little bit earlier about you know what what's going on on the ground and I I honestly I don't know too much yet I think I'm going to you know obviously our timing is what it is I think I'll have a lot more insights as to what's going on come tomorrow uh not only do we have the press conference but th- kind of the first big day out there at the LVC um I I think a lot of people will be getting their practice in that unless they already did so because it's going to be so windy. Uh, I think GK Pro Skins is now going to be a ticketed event that is taking place tomorrow as well, and I think that's going to be part of the new format moving forward is I think every Wednesday uh, prior to an event or the day before an event starts, which might be a Thursday, is when you're going to see the opportunity for the GK Pro Skins in a ticketed, on-site ticketed capacity. And I think that's going to be the case tomorrow as well for uh, people out there. In fact, I know there's been consideration for some of the press conferences moving forward this year that I think some of the press conferences might get moved up earlier in the day so that Mm. uh, there's a potential for less conflict with uh, some of the Skins participants in the afternoons. Uh, that's at least what I was told today. We'll see when that may or may not start. But at least for tomorrow, I believe it's 2 o'clock local time here to Vegas when the press conference takes place. But in the future, there may be some of that shifting. Uh, and real quick, especially since we're just a, uh, a week or two away from being there, big shout-out to one of the first-ever touring professionals in the world in in terms of disc golf. And that's Dan Ginley. Looks like he's celebrating his birthday today. And another uh, incredible asset to our sport and just all around amazing human, uh, Lauren Lakeberg celebrates a birthday today. So uh, happy birthday to them. Happy birthday to everyone else whose birthday it is. But uh, a couple of those people that I know a little bit more closely, happy birthday specifically to them. And our, our very own Gary to the O and Dana Mite are uh, – right right here in the uh the upcoming days celebrating birthdays as well so happy birthday to dynamite and happy birthday to Gary to the oh two people that we consider near and dear friends that have been along for this wild wild disc golf and disc golf media journey of ours so thought I'd get those out there uh Johnny for the most part that's about all I got for now I'm I'm believe it or not I'm trying to still conserve my voice Uh, This is the most talking I've done since the, probably um, probably
3: the L star this weekend.
2: But uh, yeah, it's been kind of interesting and real quick. I will say thank you. It it was, it was in fact the disc golf pro tours idea to have me stand down on Saturday afternoon. Maybe they just got enough complaints about how I sounded. I don't know, but uh, it was their idea to have me stand down Saturday afternoon. And they actually gave me that opportunity on Sunday afternoon Uh, to not call the shots in the MPO shows. And so I do appreciate that generous offering. As you, So I didn't take them up on it Sunday. I did feel much better from Saturday into Sunday. And uh, this week, obviously, I won't be talking nearly as much being a sideline guy and and just doing the press conference. But I I feel good. I feel like I'm on the mend. It's just a matter of my voice catching up with how I feel. So thank you. As I said to somebody the other day, I I could go a year and have like maybe one or two cups of tea. Uh last at last count when I left Dayton Vals, I was at like 26 cups of tea uh throughout the weekend. And apparently you can't drink too much of it. So that's good. It wasn't caffeinated. But uh I'm on steroids. I've got all the stuff, prescription and otherwise. I've got uh the tea, the honey the lemon uh i've i appreciate everyone that's reached out and was very very concerned for me i i do genuinely appreciate it and I'm doing my best to get on board uh the other quick thing that i won't get to take full advantage of and some saw my instagram it was a little bit of a cluster f dealing with getting a rental car uh and you know me like yourself johnny not a car guy but there is something cool about when they did pull up my car i got a Brand new, presumably twenty twenty-three, I would assume. Uh Dodge Charger, which you you know me and my vroom vroom vrooming. Uh, but it had three miles on it. Like a car that has three miles. like there's still stickers on the on the wheels, uh, there's no license plates. Uh they're applied for, of course, you know, and everything else. Uh, but there is something kind of cool about having the downside is when I return the car. If there's a single scratch, they're going to know it for sure came from me. I won't be able to uh, to BS my way out of that one with the rental car company. But uh, there is something. And, and I don't even care that it's a Dodge Charger, so to speak. Just the fact that I've got a car that only has three miles on it uh, is kind of cool. Not that I'm going to do a ton of driving this week, but it is kind of cool to have a uh, a brand new car uh, as well. So Time to go uh, whip some donuts around. Is that, is that what they do? Donuts? That I, believe,
3: I believe so. I believe that's what you do. You you, you do donuts. Uh, I just want you yeah. to stand outside all weekend with your mouth open, take that rain in, <laughs> so, soak the throat, kind of just, uh, you know, I just want to see Terry in the background. This is kind of like the Homer Simpson, like his mouth open, just uh, all over Terry.
2: Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, is I'll just pour the, the tea Uh, the tea in there as well. Get it all ready. They call it throat coat is the, is the type of tea that it is. I'm I'm looking over to the pack that I bought, but anyway, um, my, my, my Dodge Charger is red.
3: Yep. Um, And if you're interested in a little bit more media, this weekend is the debut of the pregame halftime and postgame shows with a few faces that some of you may or may not know. Um, I know there is, uh, I believe Liz Lopez will be contributing, who yep. is an old school touring yep. pro. <laughs> she used to tour with Emac and Paige Pierce back in the day, yep. in, the, in the in the mid aughts. Uh, there's a gentleman, by, I believe, by the name of Andre R- Robinson. And I, I don't know if that's been announced yet, but I'm going to announce it. So if it doesn't happen now, we'll see, Maybe he got he get fired. But a younger guy who, I, I guess, isn't 100% familiar with the sport, but. You know, just uh, trying stuff out. So we'll see what we'll see how it goes this weekend. So tune in to the pregame. I think there might be one other person on that show. I'm not sure who it is. You're going to see a kind of a rotating cast come in a little bit on the pregame and um, hype show, so to speak. Pregame, mid-roll and postgame show, whatever you want to call it. But tune into that and also go out to the Disc Golf Network's YouTube page. I know they released a, a, a little mini documentary on Luke Sampson. So Mm. go, go check that out. I I hear really good things about it.
2: Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Luke, obviously such a good guy, uh, you know, and, having the conversations that I've had with him on the course, off the course uh, out there grinding. Uh, I'll have to go check that out as well. I knew that it was getting made, but I have not had a chance to go check it out. So not a problem. Mm-hmm. And as you were just saying, Liz Lopez, if you want to get to know her a little bit more, uh, there was an article on Alta world that was written by a good friend in uh, Kingsley Kinga, uh, who we've referenced to chimes in from Australia. Often uh, he uh, wrote the article but he also um had a little bit better perspective because he had actually gotten to know liz when liz came to australia and lived there for a little while and so then they had gotten to know each other then and so uh great that she's back in and doing this uh show and that if you want again get to learn a little bit more about her you can see the alta world article that's out there and already released i did get a chance to read that today quickly so very cool all right, Terry. Uh, that's, yeah, that's about it from, from cool. my perspective. The only other thing I'd have is reading a few questions off here, but I think I've been on top of most of them. Yeah, no, and, we'll, um, we'll,
3: we'll call it for the night. Uh, <laughs> we, won't, we won't do an after show. I know Terry wants to save his voice for the weekend, so we can, uh, we can do that. I've, I've been <laughs> muting quite a bit, too, as well. I've got a nagging cough that's been going on like three weeks now, so that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be a good time to call it. Hopefully, Terry, are you going to be back in the studio next week, Tuesday? No. When are you coming home, Terry?
2: Don't worry about it. Uh, (laughs) The two weeks from tonight, I should be back. Your wife is asking me questions. (laughs) (laughs) You can answer. her. It's better than me. So, um, yeah, next week's the memorial. Oh, that's right. Have that's right. A, a, you'll be at the memorial. A, a stout crew of individuals largely coming from the Midwest to come out here. Um, I do have a few sponsorship spots, honestly, available. So if you, your club, or your company are still interested in getting either a couple of transition screens or working with me to have some kind of a, a special uh, activation, as they call it, uh, reach out to me. This this is largely uh, underwritten by us, and we want to get as much coverage as we can of the memorial. It's, it's one of the bigger pushes that we put on for my channel for the year, and it's, I'm not going to say 10 times the cost of any other event that I work on, but it's definitely significantly way more expensive. So, Uh, I know it's kind of off the beaten path in terms of not being an NT or an elite series or a pro tour or silver series or any of those other distinctions right now. But a lot of you also have come to expect and love coverage from the memorial, so we're hoping to do it pretty big and spread the love around with a couple different divisions next week. So uh, that that's one of my final plugs. That uh, if you want to support it or you want to become a Patreon member or get some advertising within it. it should get some good eyeballs. so that's where I'll be next week, next Tuesday, still at the memorial, and then I'll come home for a few days.: I'll
3: okay, see how that fine. works. Fine. We'll, we'll have to wait, so
2: yeah. All right guys, well, I'm going to uh, call it here for the sake of Johnny and I. Thank you. Uh, appreciate everyone's patience and, and loyalties in tuning in. Uh, wh- however if you've dealt with Johnny. Uh God bless you. And uh I, I hope I hope everything's been as exciting and as good as I've as I've been hearing. But uh hopefully once things settle down, I'll have a little more in-depth uh sharing and opportunity to talk to you guys about the scene in Thailand, about the scene in Cambodia and Malaysia and some of the other things that are going on in Asia and, uh, the exciting things that are taking place with disc golf that I've been learning and experiencing. And, uh, I'm excited to share more of that with you guys, uh, here, uh, once things calm down a little bit, but disc golf's growing everywhere and I'm, I'm so honored and pleasure, you know, have such a pleasure of touring around to be able to experience it, even if that means occasionally missing out on a Tuesday night or being in some other hemisphere. So Thank you, thank you so much to all our loyal fans and supporters. I did we we did get three or four return to senders on the uh, Patreon disc. Otherwise, and- hundreds of other people have received yours uh, just today. Though, even though these were sent out a couple weeks ago, just today I received a return to sender uh, from some unfortunate patreon subscriber that must not have given us their new address so uh, i'll reach out once i get it all figured out or reach out who those people were i want to make sure that we turn around uh and and spend the other six or seven bucks to get it out to the right address you got a couple discs coming your way so thank you for everyone's patience in that but you should have some brand new patreon signed patreon discs um hundreds were sent out so we very much appreciate you guys all right, I'm going to call it Johnny, episode 443. I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. Live action, back at you guys again, coming to you from Las Vegas. If you want the spicy stuff, stay tuned to all my socials. But until then, uh, we'll see you next week when you step inside the Smashbox.
3: Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please
1: visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.